Chapter Four of the Awakening of Europe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Awakening of Europe by M. B. Singh. Chapter Four: A Dutch Reformer. Erasmus laid the egg, and Luther hatched it. Old monks of the Reformation. The Netherlands now became absorbed in the greater kingdom of Charles V, who ruled over the largest empire since the days of Charlemagne. He was the grandson of that Ferdinand and Isabella of Spain, who had driven the Moors from Granada and sent Columbus on his great voyage to the New World. From his father, he inherited the Netherlands, and in the year 1519, he was elected emperor over the heads of the kings of France and England. Both claimants for the high position, his reign was full of importance, not only for the Netherlands but for the whole world, for a wonderful change was passing over Europe, that great Renaissance at which we have already glanced for a moment. The new learning was spreading rapidly now, and the great empire of this Charles V was not behindhand to adopt it. Indeed. Holland was to produce one of the greatest scholars of the age in Erasmus, the forerunner of Martin Luther, the famous German reformer. I have given up my whole soul to Greek learning," said this man in the early days of his enthusiasm. "And as soon as I get any money, I shall buy Greek books, and then I shall buy some clothes." Erasmus was born in Rotterdam, one of the famous towns of the Netherlands at this time. In the year fourteen sixty-seven, seven years after the death of the sailor prince of Portugal, he was a bright little boy with flaxen hair, grey-blue eyes, and with the voice of an angel. This little fellow would come to something by and by," said a famous scholar, patting the boy's flaxen head, for he had been struck with the ability of Erasmus as he inspected the school where he was learning. The boy had a passion for study. He devoured any book he could get hold of. He was always at work, writing poetry or essays, always thinking and pondering, though full of life and brightness. But monastery life was distasteful to him, and at the age of twenty, he was glad to escape to Paris, still wearing his monk's dress, to continue his studies. He yearned to go to Italy, the centre of the new learning, to mix with the great Greek scholars. To breathe in the new life, which had not as yet taken root in his own country, but money was not forthcoming for this, and he made his way to England, where the new learning had been well received. I have found in Oxford, he soon wrote, so much polish and learning that now I hardly care about going to Italy at all. When I listen to my friend Collett, it seems like listening to Plato himself. Amid a little group of English scholars, Erasmus found the sympathy he needed. Still, he worked on at Greek translations and wrote a new grammar book for the little scholars under the new learning. Moreover, he gained some repute by writing a song of triumph over the old world of darkness and ignorance, which was to vanish away before the light and knowledge of the new era. But more than this, he had studied his Bible very deeply and carefully. Especially the New Testament and the writings of the early fathers, 
He was greatly struck with the difference between the teaching of Christ by his disciples in the old days of long ago, and the distorted version of Christianity now taught by the priests, monks, and clergy of Europe. The people knew only what they were taught by the priests. Copies of the Bible were rare, shut up in convent libraries, and read only by the few. Erasmus saw that before any reform could take place, the Bible must be in the hands of all, rich and poor alike. I wish that even the weakest woman might read the Gospels and the Epistles of St. Paul, he says as he works during the long hours at his translation and notes. I long for the day when the husbandman shall sing portions of them to himself as he follows the plough, when the weaver shall hum them to the tune of his shuttle, when the travellers shall while away with their stories the weariness of the journey. Since his boyhood, printing presses had been established everywhere. At last his work was finished, text and translation printed, and the wonderful story of Christ, his disciples and his teaching, was revealed to an astonished world in all its beautiful simplicity. A single candle shone far in the universal darkness. The New Testament of Erasmus became the topic of the day. Every household eagerly purchased a copy. It was read and discussed with alternate fear and joy. A new era was dawning. Erasmus had sown the seeds of that more far-reaching movement which Martin Luther was to finish. He had prepared the way, but a greater than he was needed to stand up boldly, with the eyes of Europe on him, to denounce the abuses that had crept into the Christian teaching, and to show mankind the Christ of the New Testament. End of chapter 4